0: everyone and welcome to this month's podcast. I'm so happy to have with me Jack Ferris, a partner in uh, the dispute resolution department of uh, the CDH Johannesburg office. Uh, he's been in Nairobi for the past week where we did a webinar together, which we'll talk more about. Um, and so I thought I would take the opportunity to um, sit down with him and have a conversation. He's also the sector head for the industrials, manufacturing and trade department that we have. And so he's a perfect person to talk about the AFCFTA, which is the African free trade continental trade agreement and generally a good to know person so thanks jackwell thanks for being on this podcast
1: thank you Jenny.
0: jackwell you know we've worked together since april you were one of the first partners in the south africa office to reach out to us in order for us to start working together i think you can see the opportunities that there are in east africa and in africa in general what sparked your interest
1: so from a Africa perspective, obviously South Africa is part of Africa, but it's uh, essentially the the fact that there is significant opportunities that presents itself for both Kenya and South Africa to tap into the free trade, free trade agreement um, in terms of industrialization, manufacturing, if we talk about the objectives of the African Union and the African Union member states, which essentially is the vision 2063 for us to, as a continent, to grow and tap into a market of almost 1.3 billion people. So I think there's significant opportunities for professional services firms like CDH, who has expanded its footprint, with now having Kieti and um, you and Jerry and Sammy, Desmond, Clarice and Sham as partners to um, strengthen us and expand on the continent.
0: Yeah, thanks, Jackwell. So normally we get to know our guests a little bit more and so I wanna know a bit more about you. I know already that you come from Mafi is it Mafi Kang? Mafi King. Um Ma- now Mahi King. Mahi Um thank you for the pronunciation. Um tell us a bit about what it was like growing up in South Africa and why it is that you chose a legal career.
1: Growing up in South Africa, so I I'm not going to say my age specifically, but I'm sorry, of <laughs> young. Uh, 1984, a model.
0: 84? Yes. God, you're so young,
1: Jackwell. <laughs> so, uh, 1984 80s model, grew up in South Africa. So, when I grew up, so Mahi King, or Mafi King as it was known then, was part of Boputatswana. So, Bopotatswana was what we call a homeland. Okay. Uh, homeland was, so, in South Africa, you had, because of the racial system, um, the apartheid yeah. system mm-hmm. there was homelands created for specific uh, groups or tribes and in Bopota Tswana it was essentially the Tswana mostly the Tswana speaking people staying there so my family, so we are family, we call ourselves coloured, or mixed race it, we would call yeah. it more broadly yeah. so there's a group um, or area within Mahi Keng or Mafi where there's also a lot of coloureds. but so coloureds and mostly black people in general. Yeah. So mm-hmm. so so growing up was so that's the first thing. So when you grow up you don't really realize it, but as you grow older you understand that there's actually a difference in how people are treated differently. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, because of their race. Mm-hmm. Um, you didn't really have really white people staying in Mahi. King There was but you didn't really Very recognize it. Okay. Mm-hmm. My only the first time that I really got exposed to people of other cultures and maybe more so uh, white people in general Mm -hmm. was when I went to university, so that's why I started my legal career and um in terms of studying law yeah so maybe that's let me leave it at that for now
0: <laughs> so i guess you grew up under segregation so you it must have been a very different experience from you know what most of us on the african continent uh would have experienced growing up but certainly by the early 90s mandela had been released the De had declared apartheid ended right yeah uh, and so when you went to university the, it was no longer the case correct
1: Yeah, it was no longer the case in terms of the segregation was not there legally. but it's yeah so it wasn't there legally but there was still changes from a from a structural perspective that was required whether in universities in terms of changing the dynamics yeah of the universities so the university I went to was called the university of the Potchefström University but it was an Afrikaans university called the I'm going to say it in Afrikaans the oh, no, Universiteit voor Christelijke can we can't even
0: begin to pronounce a, that mm-hmm.
1: University for Christian Higher Education yeah. so it was a, uh, university founded in Christian values, very good university. Yeah, um, but obviously it was because it's historically. And my apologies if I have to use white and black, but it's no, historically no, no. Mm-hmm. white. I mean university. that is that is your experience. Yeah. We can't take away from yeah, that. So yeah, so it's mm-hmm. uh, predominantly 99 percent white university, Afrikaans yeah. university. And obviously, it was a culture shock. And, although I speak Afrikaans also as a first language and I grew up as Afrikaans, see different. Uh, culture, different way yeah. of doing things, mm-hmm. so it was different for me and I had to adapt in a lot of ways as being being at the university and pursuing a career in law, which was also difficult even to get into university because my parents didn't really have money, Yeah. but by the grace of God, I... Got in.
0: Yeah, by the grace of God go I. So why law? Was it was it a human rights perspective? Was it a dispute perspective always? Was it a, you, you couldn't have been interested in corporate law at the beginning. Yeah, so for me I didn't even know s-
1: such thing as corporate law <laughs> or any of those things. Yeah. So for me when I thought about to where I am as a as an individual at that point in time where some of my parents didn't really have money yeah. for university. I couldn't even pay for the application fee to university. Oh wow. Mm-hmm. Um, but my I think my interest in law started when I was in grade 10 or grade 11 when you start thinking about the world and where you're going yeah afterwards mm-hmm. and I accidentally I think it was a career guidance uh, lecture and there was a discussion about well oh, I went through this thing and it was about uh, ambassadors and and I love the idea of traveling yeah in the world and so so I think that interests me and I saw one of the requirements is Law. <laughs> or you could okay. law.
0: Okay. It was the road to international travel and uh, yes, diplomacy, really. Essentially. Uh,
1: well,
0: <laughs> well, that that's aspirational for all of us. Yeah. So, how did you um end up at CDH? I know that you you were a trainee at CD. How did you end up
1: there? Uh, so, how I ended up at CDH, before CDH, there was Hoffmeyer. So, Hoffmeyer was, um, one of the firms actually that makes up CDH. So yeah. It Decker and Hoffmeyer. Mm-hmm. was a merger at some point in time when I was an associate. But how I ended up at Hoffmeyer was, um, so, one of my my friends and we're still in context, uh, Leroux, his father. So we usually, usually at university work hard to do whatever we, we shared notes and so he. I applied to a few um, other law firms like Adams and Adams, Denays you know, Rates and so on, got interviews. Yeah, mm-hmm. um, got an offer I think from Adams and Adams. And then his father, Piet van Seau, was also a director at Half uh, at that, um, okay. that time, point mm-hmm. in time. And he then also arranged actually an interview at Half for me, saying we can I can see if we can potentially get an okay. interview. For it me. was a foot in the door. Yeah, essentially. So... Mm-hmm so got an interview got an offer but also got an offer from adams and adams Mm -hmm. um so adams is in pretoria hofmeyer is in uh johannesburg yeah Mm -hmm. and so i had a big um interest more in johannesburg and also the persuasion is always money is someone (laughs) you're a student you see um, two offers one which one has more money Mm -hmm. there's less than half my persuasion was money
0: Mm -hmm. (laughs) yeah um and it's and it worked out um how did it end up that you then qualified into dispute resolution was that the most
1: interesting seat for you so dispute resolution it's not really i think you don't choose to uh, become a dispute resolution or i didn't really choose to become but i think it shows me in a sense that um i did my articles at hoffman and you had two rotations and one property one in dispute
0: you only had two rotations at that time yeah
1: you? you only had two rotations and then that's interesting mm-hmm. commercial so my most my rotation was largely in property commercial property and property and in dispute resolution and through that got exposed to very interesting matters Uh, so one of the one of my partners that has been uh, there for me from the beginning was rishabh and mudli so he's really been uh, a a, a, a a a champion Mm -hmm, so, mm -hmm. so i joined his team as an associate um and from yeah from that day on yeah we you did, just went,
0: yeah did, sometimes yeah. you gel with people and that's yeah. the way that it works
1: so you you became a partner how long ago probably about six years ago six or so years ago i became a partner
0: so were you less than 30 yeah amazing I mean this yeah, it's, it's very rare eight, think, so. <laughs> this is very isn't it very rare to find a, a people making partner before the age of 30 or is that something that's very regular in
1: uh, South Africa I don't think it's very regular but I think um, I was probably one of the sharpest tools in the box yeah so one of <laughs> he, can't, is, he can't even say
0: that no. okay
1: <laughs> yeah so yeah I was a partner before Titi
0: amazing amazing yeah. Jackal that's an amazing achievement even I mean internationally globally yeah. that's that's phenomenal so you've been a partner for six years you have much more experience in being a partner than me what is the single most important thing that you've learned about being a partner in a law firm
1: and especially in a big law firm in a big law firm <laughs> it's ultimately about putting in the effort and time um, and I'll y- what you realize it's it's not just about you it's about the bigger partnership and about everyone in the partnership because we all need to contribute to the growth of the firm but the foundation of any firm is its client so you need to make sure that you're an excellent lawyer in what you do and how you service your client because they ultimately come first they bring in the money we're
0: here because of them yes so, thank you so much for that, Jackal. So, I wanted to now move on, on to the subject matter for uh, today's episode, which is really the AFCFTA uh, and the webinar that we held this week for our clients. And what we were trying to say uh, to that to our clients is that it's time to rethink industrialization in Africa and in you know, East, East Africa and Africa. Why do you think that we wanted to have this webinar? Or can you communicate to our audience why it is that it's time to start rethinking industrialization and thinking about how we? We as a, the African continent will self-determine in the
1: future. So we had the uh, seminar with with a few of the industry leaders in in Kenya um, earlier this week on Tuesday, um, and the purpose of that was ultimately so as CDH we had brought the legal part of it, and as the industry they brought what is their actual experiences yeah. within. Mm-hmm. Um, in Africa as, as businesses so when we said rethinking industrialization is ultimately linked to the fact that again we have these laudable objectives by the African Union and the African Union member states in terms of how do we make sure that ordinary Africans ultimately benefit out of economic growth and development and if you look at what is happening currently statistically from a trade perspective there's if you, if you compare Africa with any of the other the continents trade hovers around almost 15%, um, and that's negligible. So, 15% intra Africa trade, not trade into the continent. If you look at any other region, it's significantly more. And the big stumbling block that has been, been identified is the fact that there's not enough. Manufacturing or industrialization happening on, on the continent, and that's the only way. So, when Africans start making their own products and those products are then sold on a non tariff basis, uh, ease of access through borders, then we will see real change on the continent and we will catalyst a lot of people that are either in poverty into the middle class or in the middle class to uh, 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 richer. So, we want yeah. to create more yeah. riches for the, for the continent. Yeah,
0: yeah, and so the climate that we did have are, are manufacturers who are working on the continent and in east africa and trying to build businesses so we heard from Af- afribon who do uh, taste solutions um food coloring etc we heard from um, esilo who manufacture sunglasses and glasses and we heard from mobius motors who are manufacturing um cars in in kenya and all of them identified specific pain points that are preventing their growth in east africa and kenya sp- specifically as well what were those pain points
1: So, I think the the central theme for most of them would have been issues of trade facilitation, the the movement of products, either getting products into the continent because you need to assemble it on the continent, in the case of Mobius, uh, the duties that are imposed, the fact that when you transfer funds from one country to another country, the the, the the penalties or the duties that are, that are placed on that exorbitant. Kenya, yeah. to mm-hmm. Ethiopia. So all of those, it's service-related issues, it's trade-related issues, um, and how to deal with those things. Even with the fact that we are six or almost, how many months, uh, ten months into the effective trade under the afcfta mm-hmm. there are still certain issues that are being experienced. Some of the issues are, I would think, um, it... it, it creates the the platform for industrialization Um, in the case of Mobius where you must encourage local uh, production. But yeah, so those are the issues.
0: Yeah, and there, there were also issues with being able to source materials on the continent. Um, really, the, the, the reliance is much more on export, uh, importing goods, um, not exporting, um, and then being able to manufacture on the ground. How do you think the AFCFTA will then um, alleviate those concerns? And why is it, that, is, it, is it important that we start thinking about um, the continental free trade agreement? Now.
1: So how how it will ultimately uh, alleviate the bottlenecks is um, if we use a company like Mobius as an example yeah. in terms of what the objective is so they are a motor manufacturer on the, in, in Kenya so it's a probably Kenyan company um, tapping into the bigger market on the continent so um, if you start expanding manufacturing capability in motor meter, motor vehicle manufacturing, there's a much larger market. So it's the ease of moving that product into any other market within, uh, within the region from a trade facilitation perspective, from a duties perspective, making the vehicles much more cheaper. So as opposed to imposing a 20 or 30% duty on a vehicle moving from Kenya to say, for example, Uganda or even further down south, it makes it easier. But obviously there's other bottlenecks that also gives opportunities for other clients or investors in terms of infrastructure so we've identified issues of infrastructure from uh, other ports, roads, roads, railways Mm -hmm. so Mm -hmm. you can have all of the manufacturing capacity in the world, but it's all down to, as we also discuss, about being cost competitive. So yeah. you, to be cost competitive on the continent, you need to invest in infrastructure. So for the manufacturers like Mobius to be able to move their goods with ease to the south or to the north or to, to the west. Mm-hmm. So, yes... Um, it will happen with time, but there's a lot of money that needs to be invested in collaboration between governments and the private sector because yeah. governments can't do it alone.
0: alone. Let's be very specific on the implementation because everyone, I, I think, has understood by now that the AFCTFA has been ratified by most countries in Africa. And so now it's the stage of implementation. Mm-hmm. Do we know what the timeline looks like for that? Is every single member state, uh, and that means someone a country that has uh, signed up to it, implementing on it, it on its own timeline?
1: So in terms of effective, so a trade technically has started on the 1st of January this okay. year mm-hmm. by member states, but in practicality, I think there was a study released a few months ago So, where it says only actually four or three countries on the continent, can actually effectively tap into the AFCFDA system in terms of either from a customs perspective, uh, trade facilitation perspective. So there's still a long road ahead and there's a lot of criticism also against uh, the, the Secretariat or the African states in relation to uh, have we not jumped the gun a bit. But the, the response, which is probably correct, is we need to start somewhere. Okay. Um, so. There's also various other critical elements to the AFCFTA that's still outstanding, specifically under the protocol for goods, which is the rules of origin. So they are, I think, 80, 90% there um, in finalizing specific aspects or exceptions to the rules of origin. And the rules of origins are critical for manufacturing because the rules of origin essentially determines what goods, and we will just call it, what goods qualifies African. So a good that is manufactured in a member state under the AFCFTA. So those are critical, there is certain um, negotiations on tariffs And so on It's still so out, uh, outstanding In other aspects To the mm. protocol
0: Just to put it very simply Without having An understanding On the rules of origin And what is defined As an African good mm. Then you are not able As a member state To take advantage Of the uh, exemptions Or customs mm. Reliefs or anything On those goods and able f- uh, For for you to be able To trade them Into Af- other African Member states right. so, mm. so you're saying that Essentially that is critical.
1: That's critical. So that's the foundation of yeah. the system. So without having the finalized rules of origin you can't really claim the preference, preferences. Preferences, the AES, yeah. AES. Okay.
0: So that that's very important. And combined with that actually, so we also had another, um, a labor conference this week where I discussed um, the freedom of movement of people because essentially without that we are also going to be missing out on the essential skills that are available on the continent to be able to then transfer those for the manufacturing of the goods that we want to be traded within africa and that uh, protocol has not been ratified as yet yes. and so we are we are way behind although we have signed the afcfta and said yes we're willing to trade we're not then implementing the other things that need to branch into the trade agreement mm. so that it actually works specifically can
1: you talk more on that so yes, the free movement of people is critical, so if you also just look at the founding uh, document, the agreement establishing the AFCFTA, it talks talk about in order for us to actually achieve the benefits, you need to ensure that there's also free movement of people. But that protocol specific or the the treaty doesn't deal with that specifically so it is important and imperative from a services perspective because a big portion of the benefits that we will see is also services companies that tap into uh, the AFCFTA in being able to advise either the manufacturers or the mining companies or oil and gas companies in relation to specific projects. And for that, you need free movement of people, specifically people in the employment sector that services these entities or professional service companies. So uh, free movement of people is critical for the success of the AFCFTA because the services sector actually will contribute more, and this is again part of the statistics by the World Bank and a number of other institutions, then the the goods sector so services sector is critical but for services sector you need people to essentially have an african passport to be able to go wherever without yeah. any restraint
0: yeah i mean when when i was giving the the talk about the free movement of people the 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 point was that a lot of these things are very aspirational having an african passport having no um you know limitations on you know tran- uh crossing borders um being able to work in in another member state without being asked for a work permit and having the right of residence in that uh, member state uh simply because you're african a lot of these things are not uh, able to be implemented because governments want to have their own sovereignty Mm. and so a mix of this uh, the sovereignty issue and the, the the aspirational issue how where will we land on this will we actually be able to see this in our lifetime jackwell
1: Uh, So there is pockets of change that are happening on the continent. Um, If we talk about, maybe let's talk about something close to home in terms of the legal sector. So there is a big... Initiative uh, in South Africa to try and change the requirements for foreigners to be able to be admitted as attorneys, and I think recently the, the court actually found in favour of a number of Zimbabweans and foreigners who applied to court, saying that the act as it stands is is essentially unconstitutional. So there is pockets of change, but there is still a lot of change that needs to happen in terms of making sure that for any person, if I'm qualified from the University of Nairobi and I want to go in. Do law in in um, Namibia. Yes, there might be other requirements similar to what you have in in the states. So I studied in New York, and I want to go and do yeah. law in California. But then you have those requirements saying for this specific bar, you'll have to ride the bar exam. But you can practice here. So those are the things that we need to look at. Where you sh- there shouldn't be. Uh, uh, it, uh <laughs> obstacles for people additional obstacles to say even if I'm qualified in law I can still not enter the south African market because of what if, whatever the reasons is so sorry just to be clear was it that
0: they couldn't enter at all yes. like you couldn't even do exams in order to
1: qualify yeah, so you can't become an attorney so if you uh, if you're not a South African and I or if you're not naturalized in South Africa then you can't qualify you can't qualify
0: oh amazing yeah, okay so I think we, we are a bit ahead of you in terms of that but we still have barriers to mm. entry in terms yes. of what you need to study or how many other modules you have to do and compliance issues mm. which can you know be cause severe delays and that is another point about this free movement of people issue because the qualifications uh, that you need in south africa kenya whatever will now need to be africa wide uh, and mm. uniformed mm. Uh, how long will it take to to get to that you know people have always thought you know my the uh, legal qualification is more superior than yours. Mm. Uh, how are we even going to get to that? I mean, there's so many. There's so many things in this um, idea yeah. of free trade and free movement mm. that are really going to need a lot of people to really put their heads together and and really want
1: to work towards it, isn't it? No, definitely. There's mm-hmm. still. I think a lot of work that needs to be, that needs to go into making sure that we're able to harmonize legislation and standardize processes for people to tap into the the market, Mm. basically. Whether Mm. it's from a services perspective, whether it's for goods, because we also have different standards and goods, so where I buy a... A phone in south africa and you need to comply with the specific requirement in terms of the yes mm. and if i bought buy a phone in kenya there's a different requirement so uniform uh, uniform standards in mm. respect of products so there's also ease of trade in respect uh, of correct products.
0: correct i mean as a firm we are looking really to you know educate on the, the protocols educate on the fcta and make sure that we are understanding where we are headed to how are we going to do that jackwell
1: so, in the next few months, what we will be doing is rolling out training, uh, podcasts, um, webinars in re- respect of different elements of the AFCFTA. Yeah. Uh, from the protocol on on goods, from the protocol on services, dispute settlement, the future investment protocols. So, all of those things we would want to unpack for clients to make it easier for clients to ultimately access it.
0: Yeah. Because ideally, what, what uh, businesses need to know is that in, in order to prepare for this, you need to know uh, how it how works it. and mm. also how to what, what, what measures you will have to put in place. For example, do you want uh, a factory in Senegal uh, and do you want employees also mm. sitting in Kenya? How do you marry the two? Where, how, you, how am I going to get um, people f- uh, from Senegal to move to Kenya? How will uh, the Kenyans work in Senegal? What services can they provide and uh, what skills do they have in qualification? on the uniformity point and then also uh, how will I uh, use the, the goods that I'm manufacturing to be traded across Africa so it's a whole raft of things yes. it mm. can really change your business if it, if it works well right mm.
1: definitely mm.
0: So looking to the future and beyond, our firm, you know, we believe in regional integration. We also believe in, in the African continent. How do you see this unfolding for us in the work that
1: we do? So in terms of the work that we do, so it, it, it crosses uh, various sectors, whether it's corporate and commercial banking and finance, dispute resolution. So. AFCFTA AFC presents opportunities for clients, as we've mentioned, in terms of goods or, or goods and services. But CDH is a professional services firm, also falls within the realm of the AFCFTA. So, if all of these bottlenecks are dealt with, which is ultimately contemplating the AFCFTA, it allows for the firm also to potentially, or not potentially, will grow further and tap into other regions, whether it's in in Ghana whether it's in Morocco, any part of the continent, it makes it easier to service clients, makes it easier to access uh, markets, um, and it allows us to then also better service our clients who want to enter those markets.
0: Mm. And what do you, I mean, what do you think the single most important barrier exists currently that prevents us from affecting and developing on the African continent um, in terms of trade and services
1: and goods? So the single biggest factor that, as I mentioned in the beginning, trade on the continent is about 15 percent. It is ensuring that we increase and expand the manufacturing capacity on the continent. and That's the only way that we will be able to ultimately um, grow the pie for everyone on the continent. So it's investing in manufacturing, but then also Parallel to that, we call it trade related infrastructure. So, and investing in infrastructure. So, if we deal with all of those things, um, and invest and expand and create the incentives for for, for companies to, to set up shop in Kenya or anywhere in the region, we will definitely see the benefits under the AFCFT. It's laudable an objectives and there's a lot of criticism as I mentioned uh, to the African Union member states, but I think ultimately governments should also work together. It's not about one government, so it's Kenya and the regional government, so it developing industrial policies, actually, Mm. that speak to each other. So where Kenya is developing, say, as the automotive hub for East Africa, all the other countries can actually service Um, The industry in the region It's not that they will play a lesser role But all of them have a critical part In developing an advanced industry For the region
0: Mm. You could have a manufacturing plant Specifically tailored to A specific part of a car In Uganda And then the other parts in Tanzania And Kenya coming together To assemble it it here Mm. And I think the the other thing That is is critically important For all of us to understand Is that when COVID-19 hit we were left behind simply because we were not able to manufacture to make our own products and we were very reliant on the West for the
1: vaccine but also for PPE isn't it? Mm, From China no that's Mm. the thing so if you look at uh, Africa essentially I said the
0: West it should have been China China, right yeah Yeah. (laughs)
1: Mm -hmm. So, so Africa stand at the back of the queue essentially everyone else who has the money buys the vaccines buys the PPE and we have to wait because we don't have the capacity to do mm-hmm. it so i think to a large extent that it's also resulted in a rethink what we call the rethink of the industrialization so yeah. we need to produce locally
0: do you think we, we are rethinking but no one else is who can you actually say is actually doing a lot of the thinking can you identify one country that has is coming
1: out on t- on top so i think there's a variety of countries on the continent that. Are, tapping into the potential of the AFC, yeah. okay. So mm-hmm. one of them is also Kenya in terms of changing the thinking on industrialization. I think there's there's going to be policies that will be released in the next few weeks hopefully okay. in relation to that. But also South Africa in mm-hmm. terms of um, tapping into so EVs, mm-hmm. tapping into other markets, Ghana similarly. What's EVs? Electric vehicles. Oh, electric vehicles. Okay, all right. Mm-hmm. And Morocco. So Morocco becoming essentially now almost, the, uh, I think they have probably from an African perspective, take overtaken South Africa as the automotive oh manufacturing really? hub. Mm. Um, so there is various countries that are re-strategizing, but the problem is again, when what I mentioned earlier, we need uniform approaches. So you can't have one country developing industrial policies, but then it doesn't speak to the regional policies. So yeah, that's the only way we're going to grow. Is we grow as regions and we create regional values va- sorry value chains um, and that way we ultimately make sure that all of us yeah. grow together not just one region
0: yeah i mean the, this country. is i mean if, if if only um our governments could you know really wake up and see and i'm, I'm talking about african governments in general mm. the potential and the real impact that this could make um we'll we'll get there but so far um yeah not so much
1: no that's the thing so Government's part is critical in mm. all of this. Without government um, setting the policy framework to make it easy for for the industry to enter the market, it's going to be very difficult. Yeah. Again, using Mobius maybe as an example, saying that you need as a as an infant automotive uh, manufacturer, you need government support, similar to what you get in any other developed country, whether it's China and Europe, all of those big companies we see today they got support from the government because they were incubated and they were they Mm. were grown but
0: also there 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 is this you know like in the u.s this whole concept of usa first and you know we're the best and Mm. you know maybe we we don't have that self-belief or or even belief that we can be the best is that do you think part of it yeah i
1: think that's most probably an element of it's that we always look to the west and we look to the east and we look to the north <laughs> everywhere <laughs> so, basically yeah, but mm-hmm. we don't look at ourselves mm. and i think it's important to install um the value that we can do it yes we might we will probably need the money and funding from the west but um we need to look at ourselves saying we can do it and it is possible
0: yeah we haven't even talked about corruption because Mm. i think that's a whole other topic but really the will and the policy making will be um the determining factor yeah all right so thanks so much, Jackwell, for taking the time to talk to us before you fly off back to South Africa. It's been lovely having you this week. We really enjoyed all our learnings together. And, you know, having you in the office has been a breath of fresh air. So thank you very much.
1: Nice. Thank you, Njelid. Really appreciate
0: it. Yeah. As we end, we normally like to ask, I guess, I normally like to ask, our guests something that no one would know about them. You know, just tell us something like a little secret or something that you do, just so that our audience can get to know you a bit more. What's your story?
1: My story. I always get identified or confused as Trevor Noah
0: really people think you look like Trevor Noah
1: yeah people do I guess I can
0: can see the resemblance yeah
1: Mm. it's happened on several occasions really maybe the one that stands out is I went it was Mandela's memorial yeah and I decided I'm going to take the train from the office to to also go participate in in just just to pay your respects yeah Mm -hmm. so I go take the train get off the bus and I start walking to so there was a side where you have to take shuttle so I Go there and people, so as I was walking, people walked past me and they said, Yeah, it's Trevor, Trevor, And it's like, <laughs> like and literally. They were like, Trevor, no, Trevor. it's not me. Really. And they, know it's you, it's <laughs> Trevor. So it's not me. But eventually, so I walk. So I get to a bigger crowd. So I get into, it's like a stadium almost. Yeah. I get into the stadium and there's a lot of people standing and yeah. as I get in again the group of people in front of me say there's
0: Trev- Trevor I said no I'm not Trevor that's so funny I <laughs> so can see the examples a so you could be a
1: celebrity mm-hmm. yeah, it could in be. South Africa but even, even yeah it's a few times at, at, I think it, at the at Vets, which is a university I was sitting uh, listening to this
0: Today's Jefferson. It's not, <laughs> no, it's not not I can say that. I mean, so that's yeah, funny. Yeah. Mm. You could make a lot of money from being an impersonator. Yeah, yeah, it's an alternative <laughs> career. <laughs> All right. Thank you so much, Jackwell, for joining us on this podcast. Everyone, this has been um, Jackwell Ferris, partner, dispute resolution at, in our CDA South Africa office. Um, it's been a pleasure for us having you here. Um, everyone, see you next month. <laughs>